If you've just seen this episode title about crowdfunding, I'm sure a lot of you would have been put off and maybe skipped straight over it. Please don't. This episode is so valuable for anyone that is starting out in business. We talk all about leveraging your network, how to set up effective marketing campaigns, and the pieces that need to be in place before you actually go and invest in that. Shannon from Pronto Bottle has so much knowledge, and it has been incredible to see how she has grown over the past few years as part of the One Roof community that I'm a part of. Honestly, I think this might be my favorite interview of all time. Welcome to the Boom Your Biz podcast, a podcast for the movers, the shakers, and even bigger action takers in business. I'm your host, Sonia McIntyre-Reed, and each week I'll be exploring the question of what really makes businesses and organizations thrive. I'm on a mission to educate, empower, and inspire business owners and myself along the way. joined by Shannon, who has just been through some amazing um, crowdsourcing fundraising. And this is a world that I honestly know very, very little about. So Shannon is part of my incredible One Roof community. And I just had to get her on the episode to ask some probably really basic questions. But I know there's a lot of people out there that have an amazing idea, but just can't get it off the ground or don't know how to start. So Shannon, welcome. Thank you so much for coming and having a chat with me. Thank you very much for having me on. Okay, so let's maybe start with what is your story and your background? How, like, where have you been to then get to the point that you go, right, I've got this product idea and I'm going to raise some money and get it happening? (laughs) It's a bit of a long-winded story, but I'll try and make it as short as possible. (laughs) Uh, My original background actually wasn't in product development. It was in a different area. It was actually within the games and mobile application area. So my original studies were there. Fast forward a few years of doing indie games and then into working for a large uh, games company. And then I went back and studied, I went and studied entrepreneurship and innovation. So that was where all of this sort of started. And my brain tends to think this way anyway. I'm very much a problem solver. Uh, So once I finished the studies and then I wound up pregnant and I had my daughter and got into that whole bottle feeding process, it was pretty natural for me to go, this is ridiculous. How am I going to solve this? (laughs) That's kind of how it came about. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Okay. So for those of people that don't know, and I don't have a baby and I think your whole marketing process was amazing because it actually educated me a lot. What problem have you solved for mums that are bottle feeding? It's actually mums and dads. I think people forget now that dads are going through this experience too, right? And it's, it's the issue of that when you're going and you decide to go through the bottle feeding process, you're generally buying five or six bottles. You're having to then wash those bottles. You have to sterilize them. You have to pre-fill them, pre-sterilize the water that actually goes into the bottles. And then you're carrying all of those pre-filled bottles with you in your nappy bag. So it's like two kilos worth of weight if you've got six bottles with you. Like, that's crazy, right? And the time, like the process actually takes an hour a day. So it's half an hour in the morning and usually half an hour in the evening because you'll do five or six bottles pre-prepped for that, you know, 12 hours. And then you'll do the same process before you're going to bed and getting ready for that nighttime feeding session. So it's an hour that people are actually going through this process. So gosh, (laughs) it's crazy. Um, Yeah. So when we developed Pronto, I actually had a different idea in mind, but drawing on the studies that I did, 
I went and actually investigated what the problem was for parents. And I just said, look, you know, how are you traveling with your baby? And I did that in cafes and in uh, libraries. So I could actually see what people were experiencing at the same time. And the biggest pain points were, yeah, the time that they were wasting in this process. It was, you know, the time, the weight, the cumbersome nature. And also I used to have a bad habit of running out of bottles when I was traveling. So, <laughs> so for me, I was sort of solving that problem at the same time. Um, so I just went and researched when I had the information. I went and researched um, the ultimate idea. Like, was it possible to travel with a bottle, like just one? And could you do it with it being empty? So that was my idea. That was my, you know, you talk about blue skies, how big could you go and crazy with this? And that was it. And I actually went and researched then technology that could sterilize a bottle, that could actually sterilize water at the same time, and then found UVC light and how it was being used in the medical field. It was being used in the dental field to sterilize surgical equipment. And it was also being used to sterilize water. So um, public plants that sterilize water for, you know, communities actually using UVC to sterilize that water. So we basically integrated that technology into a baby bottle. That's, <sighs> That's amazing. Okay, so you've got this incredible idea. You know there's a serious pain point there. What's next? Mm, uh, the next thing is actually getting it off the ground and getting it developed. So going through the process of obviously having it designed. So my background was in animation prior so I could actually do the initial designs and that myself, but then bringing on a design team that could take that further and working with them, actually developing a company as well at the same time. So actually building a company at the same time as we're building the product. The key thing there was then actually finding mentorship funds and just support going through that. So building the network of people around me at the same time to not only support me, but to support the company and, and what we were trying to do with Pronto. Uh, the key thing there is, is like most entrepreneurs try to do is, and why it's so coveted is actually getting into an acceleration program. And those accelerators give you those three key things, you know, mentorship, information networks and funds. That's four, not three. <laughs> yeah. So how, how did you go about finding one of these accelerator programs and what were the requirements to actually get into one? Mm, uh, there was... I've probably applied for seven or eight acceleration programs so far. I've been accepted into three so far. Two of them I actually went through and accepted myself and went through the programs. And it was basically just either somebody recommended the program to me or I actually did some research as well. So I looked at what acceleration programs were available, looked at the types of equity that they took in the company for the acceleration and the mentorship and sometimes the funds as well. And then also looked at what the reviews were and what resources they provided because some of the acceleration programs said, we will put in, let's say, $120,000 worth of assets into your company. And that doesn't mean it's just funds. So some of those assets could be, here's $50,000 worth of services. But some of those services you wouldn't even need because, you know, for me as a hardware startup, there were some things that were really SaaS-based. Of, I don't need AWS um, resources. Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense in my business. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were things that I kind of looked at and weighed out, which were the best ones for me. And also looking at what access to networks they gave me. That's why when I came across the MedTech acceleration program, it was perfect for me because it was sort of seen as a med product, a healthcare product. It was definitely hardware-based. So they were dealing with hardware, um, other hardware medical products. And it was the first one that I'd come across that was actually focused on hardware. And it was something you don't really come across very often. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. What is the startup scene and the support like in Australia versus somewhere like America? Uh, I think 
It depends on where you are. So I find Melbourne is very startup focus it's very supportive the network here started victoria um the other groups that are around there's just so much here that i found a lot of support for startups it was difficult for a hardware startup is the thing that i found because not a lot of people are doing it. it's a very difficult thing to do because it's financially intensive and it requires a lot of energy and people and support around you to actually get the product developed so it's hard to pitch for in terms of getting funding as well but the ecosystem here is amazing compared to the US. I don't know. I've never been in the US, but there seems to be, I think it's a, it's a geographical, you know, thing because it's, there's lots of companies, there's lots of support, there's lots of finance, there's lots of acceleration programs. Um, I think it's just a matter of, you know, how many people are actually in the country. Mm, <laughs> it's probably a yeah. really weird way of answering that. but <laughs> No, no, that makes sense though. So once you'd sort of entered these acceleration programs, you had your product sort of designed, mapped out and everything. What happened in regard to your marketing? So how did you start gaining interest and traction and how did you build that to the point that you launched this crowdfunding campaign? I probably went around it in the most expensive way you could ever think to try and market a product, and it wasn't my intention at the time. But we actually ran a, um, a crowdfunding campaign in the end of 2019, and that was through something like Kickstarter. We actually did it on Indiegogo, and the idea there was to raise the funds we could actually get to tooling and manufacturing our product. What we didn't realise at the time of doing that, though, was just how important brand was to parents actually purchasing a product and making a decision whether they were going to give their baby, you know, a new product that hadn't come across before. There were some other issues in terms of, you know, purchase, to, uh, purchase decision cycle as well. So when somebody decides to bottle feed, they need the bottle straight away and not in nine months when you've done your manufacturing. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't really going to work. But because of that, we ran a lot of PR and a lot of marketing for that campaign so that built up a lot of visibility. So we had a lot of articles and interviews and stuff online. And then following on, we continued that into the new year, but we continued that in a very soft approach. So we went through and just did things like blogs and just your typical LinkedIn posts and, you know, cross-sharing into other parenting blogs and articles. Mm-hmm. And then it ramped up again. So going into the crowdfunding this year, or lot now, 2020, Um, It was the same sort of process where we got PR involved, so PR uh, companies involved, and then they were doing interviews, uh, interview requests that we did and articles again, and then also the marketing team we were working with were doing advertising as well. So we were working with a company called Harvey there, um, and they did marketing for us for the campaign, and, yeah, it just kind of went from there and it all went through, you know, LinkedIn and stuff as well. We also leveraged our networks quite heavily too mm-hmm. going into that campaign as well. Yeah. Fantastic. So in 2019, how much did you manage to raise for the crowdfunding? <laughs> oh, this is the shameful part. We only raised about two grand. <laughs> but I feel like you've gone back and identified why that was in terms of brand and like product life, like all of that stuff. And then... I think this is the amazing part. 12 months down the track, you've nailed those bits and pieces. You're 12 months down your journey. What did you raise in 2020? We actually managed to raise $185,000 this time. Amazing. And I feel like your launch for that was everywhere. I was seeing it all the time everywhere. It was fantastic. So 
on the week of the launch, it's sort of coming to crunch time. What were you doing? Are there specific things with like crowdfunding algorithms or whatever that you need to make sure you're getting a lot of traction really quickly? How does that work? What did you sort of learn? We we planned, obviously we were planning a month in advance. So we were working with the marketing team a month in advance as to what we would be doing and when we would be doing it. Mm-hmm. And a portion of that was me rewarming my network. So actually spending time on social media through, you know, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn actually commenting on people's posts, but also reaching out to my network that I had in terms of, hey, do you mind if you feature us in your newsletter? Could you put us out when we're at launch time? Could you comment on this? So we were heavily behind the scenes doing that, pre-prepping people as to what we were about to do. And then on the actual launch day, obviously, we then email people out and said, look, we're about to launch. Let's get involved, get commenting, get sharing. And it was just basically leveraging the network and then also obviously the marketing. So we then started running our ads um, and then, yeah, just the articles as well. So PR started coming out as well as a PR request for articles and interviews and that kind of thing too. But mm. it was a lot of planning, yeah. And I think what you've done really well is that you haven't just focused on one channel. I think sometimes go, well, I'm just going to do Facebook ads or I'm just going to focus on Instagram. You're pulling in all different channels to do that and also leveraging your networks. So when you say that you're running ads or Harvey was running ads, is it just like social media ads, Facebook and Instagram? Yes. So yeah. it was just those, those three channels. We did some testing later on, but this is the other thing. So we didn't just run them and then leave them. The whole time we were concerned about whether or not we didn't know quite whether it would be parents that would be the investors or the main investors in our product or whether it would be more sophisticated people, so business people that would be involved. Mm-hmm. So we knew we'd have to be testing the whole time, mm-hmm. seeing what the results were and then adjusting our advertising strategies as well. So when we started advertising on Facebook, we were adjusting the target demographics at the time, seeing what the response rates were. Virtual was very involved in this as well, so virtual on their end they would basically run ads concurrently mm-hmm. and it was either they were filling the top of the funnel and then we were hitting the warm contacts and then sort of taking them from there through social media or it was the other way around. We just mm-hmm. had a look at who was performing better. And then for the, the professional network, we actually did some testing in terms of advertising through LinkedIn as well. But the advertising on LinkedIn didn't go that well, but leveraging the networks and actually speaking to people through our networks worked exceptionally well. I think 60 or 70% of our investors were either personal contacts or through our our LinkedIn professional networks. It was amazing. Yeah, wow. Isn't that incredible? And I think I found that um, I just won't run LinkedIn campaigns for our clients because I've never had any success with it. But again, leveraging those networks, it's always worked really well. So you mentioned just before we started recording, so that um, round of crowdfunding is done now. Now you're looking at another type of funding. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Totally. So when we ran the virtual campaign, ideally what we need to do is get ourselves obviously to tooling and manufacturing. So we're getting the product into somebody's hands. The issue is that that's an expensive raise. It's $850,000, but we knew we wouldn't be able to get that through virtual. So for virtual, we put our minimum raise at $175,000. And at the same time, we started raising privately through wholesale investor networks and we weren't advertising in Australia, though, because we'd already spent the last eight months trying to raise funds through the, the Australian investor ecosystem. And we found that just investors here just weren't interested. They're, they're quite risk adverse here. So we advertised internationally. So US, UK, Asia, and we started leveraging those networks and, and developing those relationships. So while we we're running virtual, we knew we'd get ourselves to the basics of 
prototyping, testing, and possibly tooling as well. So we could do a small batch run of product. And at the same time, we knew that within six to seven months' time, we would need that bigger raise to actually be able to do full production. So this kind of gave us a longer timeline to be able to do that bigger raise, which is now uh, $650,000 or $670,000, yeah. Wow. Again, this is just a completely different world. How do you tap into those networks and those investors? Where do you even start? Um, it's a really good question. I, I kind of, I actually don't know how I got here, if that makes sense. It's sort of <laughs> from research. Like one thing is I've researched the heck out of everything like yeah. I do. And then we came across a wholesale investor website. We came across, um, other people that we've been in communications with also my board members as well. So we've brought on a board at the same time as doing all of this. So they had people within their network that they could introduce us to that were either brokers that we had conversations with or um, possible investors or people that they knew overseas. And also, again, my LinkedIn contacts. So people saw that I was doing a raise and they said, hey, are you looking for a larger raise portion? What is that looking like? And I had a conversation with them and they're like, great, I can actually have this conversation with you because I've got investors that I know that are in the US. So again, it was a portion of us researching what's available and also our network. So because of the PR and the marketing, people seeing the campaign, it was suddenly like it just opened up everything. People knew what we were trying to do and then they started coming in and having conversations with us. Isn't that fantastic? So I kind of feel like with your crowdfunding side of things, yeah, you've hit $180,000 target, but you know that's not enough to fund everything. But what it's done for brand awareness and showing people that you're moving and you're shaking and you're getting it happening has been huge. Massively so. And I think this is one of the things that I find that some startups forget is that the networking portion of being a startup is so, so important and getting yourself out there. And that's what, you know, when we're in the physical space and we could be together and do physical pitch events, that's really what pitch events were about for me. It wasn't just about can I win a pitch event. It was about the networking aspect. So every time I go to a pitch event, you know, give it another month or two months down the track, I know that investors are there watching at the same time and they can start to see that I'm progressing. I'm not just in the same point. I'm not just in the same spot. And it's the same with doing a crowdfunding campaign. Although it's a very expensive raise, like these, these raises cost anywhere from, you know, thirty to forty dollars or $50,000, depending on the size that you're raising. It's 10 to 20% of the funds that you're raising, you will spend on your marketing, your PR to actually get the campaign going. Um, So it's not cheap, but the knock-on effects of that, of the brand awareness, the company awareness, founder awareness, is uh, you can't put a price on it really. Yeah, and again, I think this goes back to you're not just relying on one channel. You're, you've got a plan, you're constantly progressing and you know that things are going to keep building. So it's not just about that initial money that you've raised or your expenses associated with that. It, it, it builds momentum. Um, and I think even when you're not doing product development, if you're just starting out a new business, that is so important to look at it that way. So if there was someone listening today that has an idea for a great product and they're just going, I don't even know where to start, what's that first baby step just to get the ball rolling what would you recommend uh honestly the baby step is building your network okay mm-hmm. uh, the biggest and most important thing that i did actually was i went up pitching randomly I actually went up winning the pitch and i gained access to one roof which was the co-working space and from there it was meeting people like Cherie who are amazing entrepreneurs in their own rights and then meeting the people that were within that network that then became 
people that I started doing my marketing with and people that I chose as my legal team. And it was just the network access to that. And it was from that that people were then giving me information. Hey, have you checked out this acceleration program? Have you seen these people? Have you spoken to this company about X, Y, and Z? And that is just the resource of information available to you really opens up when you've got a larger network. Yeah. Mm, oh, I love that. That's so true. I think for my business as well, the One Roof Network has just been absolutely incredible and the amount that we've grown over the last sort of two or three years as a result and the support I feel is just, I think Cherie's done such a great job of just building this community. Yeah, so. 100%. I, I sound like such a fan girl. Oh, so do I. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I have not come across something else like this. I think a lot of people have attempted to do something similar, but I remember coming home one day and just sitting there and going, I found my people. And it's a nice feeling because I think sometimes when you're in business and you're trying to do big things, a lot of people around you don't get it. So that feeling of I found my people is just, it's really nice. <laughs> and I think... And it's probably difficult now because I don't know if co-working spaces have opened up or not. I feel like I'm huddled in my little private space at the moment. I haven't really moved for a bit. <laughs> but I, I think getting out there, getting involved in co-working spaces, um, getting access to other people, just opening yourself up to communications, to having conversations makes a huge difference, you know. And the support, like you said, you nailed it on the head. Supporting yourself mentally and emotionally through this as well, because it is so difficult being a founder, whether you're a solo founder or you've got you know co-founders helping you through. It's a hard game, and it's whether you're doing a hardware startup or whether you're doing a marketing company or a legal team, whatever it is. It's hard doing that stuff by yourself, and you shouldn't have to do it by yourself. And I think that's why it's so important to build those networks, access them, um, and not only obviously leverage them for help in your business but also supporting them back like I get a great deal of love for doing this sort of stuff and now being able to help other founders when they're going through this process mm. yeah oh, I just love it it's yeah such a great community and I think your message no matter what business you are about finding a support network and building your connections is so so important so if um we wanted to go and support you in some way how could we do that in Pronto Bottle um, probably the biggest thing is if you want to feel free to sign up to our newsletter that's on prontobottle.com or just follow us on LinkedIn. Like that's the biggest thing. We, we tend to post articles quite often or follow me, one of the two. Um, and yeah, if you need any help about fundraising or some guidance and feedback, just reach out. I'm more than happy to have a conversation and help you with anything. Awesome. What I will do is I'll pop in the show notes, um, links to your LinkedIn account, Pronto Bottle, everything. People can go and check it out. And I think even going into seeing your marketing communication and that journey scrolling right back through your feed as well would be a fantastic exercise to do. And I'll go check that Everyone's out. Everyone's totally sick of seeing me by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that means it's working. <laughs> well, That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Shannon. Really appreciate it. 